My pleasure to be here with uh, Jim Ramsey. Jim uh, is the uh, statistician at the uh, PPA. He's the grand poobah of all the numbers at the PPA Professional Pickleball Association. Jim, it's always great to see you. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm having a great day. I'm glad to be here. Uh, better day now that you're with us, Jim. I know that because you, 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 me, and CJ just spent some time chatting, and that's always a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. Jim and I uh, are are fans of numbers. I know Jim's a fan of numbers because he spends a lot of time analyzing them. I don't spend quite as much time as Jim in 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 the weeds and the numbers, but uh, I can tell you that I I love the numbers as well. If you've heard anything uh, that we do at uh, at Better Pickleball and things like that, we love we love using numbers. Jim, I, I put this thing behind us for us, uh, the hard data on the on the board if you're watching this on a video. And uh, there's a pun intended there because these numbers are, in fact, hard and fast. In fact, Jim and I were talking about, like, conceptual stuff. And Jim, is, Jim said, well, we got to count the numbers, which I agree with. But the other part of this is that the data has some hard messages for you. And, Jim, we're going to get into those today. So, uh, Jim, let, tell us a little bit about uh, – let's talk just real general – uh, briefly about what it is that you do sometimes, not sometimes, what you're doing with the PPA, with your statistician role, how you're studying matches and things like that. I count shots and categorize shots. Uh, in broad terms, I'll count things like uh, third shots, drops versus drives, clean winners, uh, serve, return, and third shot errors, dinks into the net. Even things like uh, ATPs and ATPs defended and Ernie's, like I try to put out that big buffet of everything that's going on to uh, shed a spotlight on what's actually happening in the game to make a little bit more sense of it. And it's it's a wonderful service you're doing, Jim. And I, I would I would push back a little bit. Um, I mean, I think it's it it uh, it it to say that you just count numbers, not uh, kind of shots. You formulate the 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 way you're going to do it, and the and the the framing of the shots that matter and. Things like that, so it's a it's a lot of value that you're adding to this process. And Joe, you know, what I wanted to do today uh, for this podcast, and we've talked about this uh, prior to getting on, is you know what we wanted to do is chat with with uh, I wanted to chat with Jim about errors and understanding how we can use data um, both to understand the impact of errors uh, in in terms of uh, how it impacts play, and we're going to talk get into that with Jim in a little bit. Some of the the data he's teased out from the professional matches. But importantly, as a player, it's important for us as players to be able to take action, right? We, we, CJ and I always think about things in terms of, you know, are things actionable? Is the metric actionable? Is the data actionable? Is there something we can do about it? Um, and, um, and, and the more you can act on those metrics, the better you'll be able to play using the data from your own games. Uh, and this is, a, if, if you follow the three pillars of pickleball, this is part of the athletic pillar of pickleball, which is that mind part, super important. So Jim, let's let's dive into um, uh, let's start talking about the difference between some actionable metrics and maybe some that uh, I would characterize them as not actionable. I believe that you have another uh, concern with that particular metric in terms of just it's you know how do you determine what is and isn't. So let's let's dive into unforced errors because that's when you talk about errors. I think players most of the time they equate error with like they put the word unforced in front of it and say okay that's what I need to count. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. How do you view unforced errors in the game, Jim, in terms of uh, ability to, to analyze them and use them? Well, the phrase unforced errors is something that has come over from tennis. And when two players on a tennis court are 60 or 80 feet apart, it's a lot easier to say he could have got that or he should have got that. Pickleball, when players can be 14 feet and sometimes less apart from each other, 
in such a bang bang, it's very hard to be objective about was it forced, an error that's forced or unforced. So I tend to stay away from that and try to categorize things that are most that are more objective, such as um, third shotting of the net, third shot long, dinking of the net, mistakes that are uh, there will be little or no argument about how it's interpreted. Yeah, that makes sense, Jim. And uh, you know, our our additional um, limitation that we think in that in the term unforced errors is. We don't view it as being actionable because we don't see what you can do with that information. You know, if I tell you I had eight, eight unforced errors yesterday, eight unforced errors today, and I'll have eight unforced errors tomorrow, that just tells you I had eight unforced errors each time, but it doesn't tell you like, okay, Tony, uh, you know, next time you play, maybe, you know, respect the net a little more because I didn't tell you I hit the net. I didn't tell you they went long. I didn't tell you they went wide. Uh, and so, or I didn't tell you I whiffed them or mishit it or something. So I'm not focused on the ball. So that, you know, that the, there's really nothing you can do with that. Uh, information from our perspective, so we don't really we're not fans of that uh, of that metric uh, or that way of looking at data. Um, and you know, it sounds to me like you're also looking at information. And to be clear, I mean, Jim's role as a statistician isn't necess- isn't just to suss out information from the matches he's watching to help you know three five pickleball players improve their play. There's a bigger picture to what Jim is doing, but it sounds like Jim, you're you're regardless of the of the reason why you're trying to gather the data, you are gathering data that is, you're trying to gather data that is objective, like all hit net off of this shot. Therefore that it's into this box of data. Right. Okay. And the, and the, uh, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it just be, it might be something as simple as you're watching a match and there's a really long rally and it's like, okay, how long was that rally? No, I'm the guy who can go back in there and tell you it was 87 shots, and it's the longest rally uh, in a gold medal match this year. Uh, so I do try to find some things that will help uh, the PPA website, their writers, their broadcasters. Uh, I give them information previewing a tournament leading up. I do all the stats during the gold medal matches, and uh, that comes out after the tournaments. So it's kind of a comprehensive thing to try to uh, bring more numbers and value into the statistics uh, like we see in other sports. And I think eventually pickleball as a pro sport will get up to that kind of level where in match statistics and just uh, computer-based statistics will be way easier to get and to uh, understand. Let's be a part of the game. That'd be a heck of a time, right? When you're watching a Colin Johns match and it says Colin Johns, you know, dink percentage is, you know, 97.6%. And so, you know, things like that. So like free throws in basketball or, you know, uh, uh, on base percentage for a batter, things like that. Right. Yeah. Just think of your favorite sport and all the graphics that go across the bottom of the screen. When pickleball gets to that level, people who love the numbers like us, we will kick back and smile because that's going to be a great day. And you'll have you'll have Jim Ramsey will be at the bottom of that totem pole of of people who uh, who are putting that, that information together. So that's awesome. Um, let, let's talk about and you shared this data with me before, and it's an area of the game that it's uh, players. Listen, I, anybody listening to this knows that if I hit the ball into the net, it is bad. Okay, I get that, but they, I don't know that they fully appreciate the um, the 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 depth of the of the issue of hitting the ball into the net and how, and how it affects their game, the, the, the pervasiveness of that, of that information. 
And so I shared with Jim, and I'm going to share here real quick, a, a piece of data from a, it, it's a very small sample size, but it's, it's, this is, uh, this is, it's, 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 it's a, it's an ex a good example of what normally happens. This is a 4.5 match on a video that we broke down at Into Pickle, a, a game we, we broke down a 4.5 play. They played uh, 18 rallies at the beginning of their game that we were breaking down. And of the 18 rallies, 12 ended with a ball into the net. That's 67% of the balls into the net. Now, Jim has some really good statistics that so I'm going to let him share. That'll show you how the the net is a predictor of the is a really good predictor actually of the likely winner of a match. So, Jim, do you mind sharing those stats that you shared with us about the uh, the net and the uh, percentages of winning? Sure. Um, as a recreational player myself, one of the things that I enjoy doing is seeing what are some of the statistics that I can get from the pro game. And then what does it mean to the recreational player? What can that player learn from it to better his or her own game? So something like simply uh, follies into the net, super easy to categorize and watch. The first 13 PPA tournaments of the year, the 39 gold medal matches, the team that hit fewer volleys into the net during that entire match, which could be three games up to five games, that team won 72% of those gold medal matches. That, so yes, that's like a crazy number. Like your 67% stat, keeping the ball out of the net is paramount. Uh, but then when we can tweak it a little bit and say, well, there's more to it than just keeping it out of the net. For instance, your resets and play in the transition zone, Tony, has to be on point to to continue those rallies to have a chance to uh, to come out on the winning end. Yeah, and I definitely want to have that conversation because we, we were exploring that earlier and I told Jim, let's let's table that for a second. Let's talk about it uh, on the air because I think it's going to be a, a really interesting conversation about, you know, analyzing the net versus your, your transition play. Um, but Jim, what about the – you had a stat also on dinks, as I recall, um, you know, that was really interesting as well because they're basically compounds, right? So it's like the – the team now this one had net or wide I think but it's it's a similar concept of just you know because a wide dink is is a dink that wasn't I, I believe not aimed properly because you didn't have enough margin but go ahead and tell us that one if you can yeah I also keep track of dinks into the net or dinks that are wide uh, I try to usually just say it's like a regular dink a dink that I expect a pro to make not one where they're lunging greatly or in there any kind of undue duress. But when the pros hit uh, dinks into the net or wide, the team that is has fewer bad dinks in a gold medal match wins 77% of the time. So that's a definitely now, a rally killer on the pro level. Oh, yeah. And give us the cumulative one, because the cumulative one really kind of blew my mind. Yeah, um, this is a great one. I think a lot of the rec players' ears will perk up when they hear this. So in those 39 gold medal matches, which generally are well even even competition, so you expect it to be a good sample size, uh, the team with fewer dinks into the net or wide, plus fewer volleys into the net, those two things compounded. Those 39 matches, the team that did that fewer won 91% of the matches. 32 wins three losses, and you throw away the four ties. 91% of the matches stay out of the net. 
Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a crazy number, and it, it really shows you. So if you, if you take the data from the, which again was a small sample size, but just you know, check yourself. This is an area where you can start using you, the listener, and start using data to help your game. Because if you if you can honestly track how many of your uh, rallies ended in the net, and you can just put your camera anywhere on the court. You don't even have to put it on a tripod. Just lay it on a backpack that you can see how the rallies end. Just take a note of how many times the rallies end with the ball into the net. It's going to be a high percentage. And then use the data that Jim just shared with you to tell you, okay, if if you can reduce the number of times that you're doing that, the likelihood is that you're going to end up winning, just because numbers don't lie. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. So uh, that's that's really useful uh, uh, data, uh, Jim. Let's let's touch briefly on the subject that 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 we were talking about earlier before we started recording about um, the the transition zone because you you were uh, you you were talking about kind of a like it's not it's not just clearing the net because if you just clear the net and you get smashed um you know there's there's a corollary to that or a, or a, a next thing you got to consider so let's talk about that and then I have a uh, I'll express my position that we're going to move on to and pass four okay we'll take the starting point of you're keeping a shot out of the net maybe it's a third shot fourth whatever uh Part of the reason that's such a high percentage on the pro level is really for two things. Uh, the pros are so good in the transition zone with their resets. And they're also super smart about being in the proper position uh, in order to make their next shot. Similar, uh, in a pro match, if a player or his teammate, it's uh it's say like hits a lob or hits a ball that's that's a semi lob that's too high. A mistake. You'll see that player quickly backpedal two or three steps and then brace for the next coming shot. In rec play, when your partner pops one up by mistake, they're often not backing up like that. So the pros are great as soon as they recognize what your opponent's next shot is likely to be. They're already taking steps to uh, to be in the proper position because position decision. Execution are the three main things that go into a shot, and the pros are great at all of them, of course. And we can learn a little bit on how to improve our play by thinking about those aspects of the mental part of the game. Absolutely, Jim. Thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, that's so true. And I would suggest to you that uh, uh, w- what I see is that not only do rec players not back up when the ball gets popped up, they actually move, continue moving forward if they're still moving forward. They'll keep going forward into into the into the teeth of the attack, and so, you know, I think the idea that, you know, it it, it our position at uh, you know CJ and my position at, at, at all the coaching we do is the net is the only the only unbeatable opponent. And ben Johns can't beat the net, and Lee can't beat the net. No one can beat the net, and so we always, you know, if you give me the choice, my choices are two: I can either drop it into the net or get smashed. I'll take a smash every single time, and you know, and and the reality is that the, at the rec level, I mean, how many times do the smashes get hit? You know, four feet out, or get dumped into the net. You know, so at least I have some chance, or I can defend it, and and I get better on my defense. So yeah, definitely gotta. But the net, I think, is you know, the takeaway I think that that I, I want our, our listeners to walk away with here is that you got you got to get the net out of your play. Just get it out of your play. All right, Jim, let's let's pivot. Let's pivot over to this this metric that I wanted to explore with you, and it's a metric that CJ and I developed this metric. Uh, we don't own the number four. We don't. We don't. We don't own the. the but but we did develop this get past four metric as part of our pickleball system training because 
we wanted to get players, um, frankly, we wanted to get our students away from focusing on things like I pop the ball up because our, posi our position is that not that pop-ups are irrelevant, they can be traumatic, but they're not why you're losing games because the pros pop the ball balls up too. Everybody pops the ball up is simply inherent in our sport. But the reason you're, you, the, uh, the reason you're not winning as much as you want to and the reason you're not playing as deep is because you're not even getting past four to begin with. And so you need to get past four consistently. So Jim, let me tell you the metric and then you, you kind of give me your thoughts on what you think about it. And we, we had a conversation about it. So the get past four metric is, is your serve, your return, the third and the fourth. In other words, that all those four shots are successfully completed during a rally. And what we tell players is that, you know, once you get past the first four, it's not that nothing matters, but great. You're now you're playing deeper into the rally. If however, there's a mistake on one of the first four and it was your, your doing, you know, as you're, you're obviously has to be your, you, you have to have hit the ball. We want that to be elevated in terms of your, um, your, 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 uh, your alarm system needs to go off when you miss one of those first four, because those are the ones that are really affecting how you play at the rec level. So I don't know, Jim, I don't exactly, I don't really have a question. Just want to turn it over to you as a statistician and, and, Get your thoughts on what you think about that. Is it, you know, is it something you think would be useful or how do you feel about it? I, I like it. Um, I think what ties into that is just how alarmingly consistent the pros are on their serves, returns, and third shots. I do stats for all, for all those for a year and a half. And when they're like 96, 97% accurate on keeping the, keeping it in play, then yeah, they're going their rallies are going to be onto the fourth, fifth, and sixth shot, whatever. Uh, the mixed doubles final a couple days ago averaged uh, almost thirteen shots per rally. The men's doubles final in Seattle averaged fifteen shots per rally. So when you take your get past four, you're at four shots, and when there's hundred and sixty rallies in a match, and they're going 50, usually around fifteen shots per rally, that's eleven shots where. That's where the cat and mouse comes in. That's when the decision-making comes in. That's the patience. That's the plan. That's the focus. And that's really for, at that level, where the match is won. So when you have, as a rec player, that solid foundation of serve, return, and third, and a good fourth shot, fourth shots can be a little bit underrated. You don't want to just dump in a little dink and give your opponent a free ride up to the kitchen line. Get it all the way to his feet. Make him work for it. Make him. It's not a bus pass. He's got to. He's got to work. So, I like the that. The bus pass. Do the best you can to get your foundation of those first four shots as rock solid as you can, whatever level you're playing, and then the rest of the game and your options will open up greatly after that. Jim, we're gonna take this 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 piece of the podcast and we're gonna put it in our. Pickleball system Facebook group because that is that that is that's the preaching right there that that is it's so important to hear that message uh, about how important those shots are and and often overlooked by by players who frankly you know I, I don't criticize the players it's just it's the it, it's the a lot of it's the ecosystem that we're in uh, they just get distracted with the Ernie ATP roll shots whatever and their and their four shots are dumping into the net or going wide or being short and you're just like no. That one, don't worry about that other stuff. So, really good stuff. Um, Jim, let me ask you. Um, uh, I know that there's a lot of play, and, and thanks a lot for for helping uh, explain the the 
your thought process on those shots. And one other thing I want to note before we close is that we tell our, our, our students and our and players who we work with that get past four is not a beginner metric because every pro out there uses that metric. They just use it like, it's just, it's just like breathing. Like I always tell players, I'm like, if you want to see a pissed off pro, don't look at them when they miss a put away. They're like, eh, yeah, turn around. Okay. I missed a put away. Look at them when they dump a third shot into the net. Then they're like, oh, what in the world did I just do to my me and my team, right? That's when they lose their mind. So, anyway. um, uh, Jim, let me ask you this. So uh, there's a, there's players out there who want to know more about what, what you're doing and the statistical work you're doing. Can you give us, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes as well, I know that they can follow the PPA tour and get the data out, at, you know, uh, right when it's uh, hot off the presses, they can watch it there. So if there's a way for them to do that, and then I believe if I recall correctly that you have a Facebook uh, uh, a group or a page where you post some information. So would you mind sharing that information? I appreciate that. Thank you. If you're on Facebook, uh, the Facebook group is called Pro Pickleball Stats. I have the gold medal matches for the PPA for a year and a half. And also sometimes I will I will do some research and try to find out what's going on behind the numbers and see how that can apply to help recreational players help better. So if you're in the group and you put the word study in the search box, you'll find a whole bunch of different articles that I've written about uh, the decision-making and some of the things that you can really, what you can learn from the numbers to help you improve your game. Awesome. Uh, uh, Jim, really appreciate everything you're doing for the sport. Uh, appreciate your your efforts to, to help not just professionalize things, you know, in terms of numbers, but also to give us information that we can then use to make uh, intelligent recommendations and to continue to grow as educators for CJ and myself and also as players for everybody who's out there and is learning from this. So Jim, thanks for joining us for the Pickleball Therapy Podcast and appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me on.